0: Lucky to speak with Liesel Squinrod, who um, I'm not just lucky to be able to have met, but I'm also lucky to call him my friend. And yes. Liesel, thank you very much for giving me your time and thank you for um, having sharing in this in this new journey of um, Impact Citizens. So, you are very talented and wear many hats. I, um, you're an anti-bullying activist. Uh, are a motivational speaker, a sports psychologist and a strong woman. What is Strong For Life and what does it stand
1: for? Uh, Strong For Life is my company which I think was born since I've done my Strong Woman Achievements. Um, And I wanted something, you know, I wanted to find something that I could call my company that I felt was the core of what I was trying to do and that is to make people strong for life. Um, I don't believe our educational system allows that for children. There's nothing that teaches them how to be strong for life. It teaches them ABC 1, 2, 3. But there's nothing, you know, they leave school and it's, "Who who am I? Get thrown by the big bad world and it just continues one big tumbling back and forth. And that's why we end up with so many broken adults. There's nothing that teaches people how to become strong for life, to deal with life. Absolutely. So I think that's where the, the whole concept of Strong for Life was born.
0: That's that's wonderful and, and very true. Now you personally have achieved a great number of amazing feats. But I have to say pulling an airplane, that is something special. How did this challenge come about? And what
1: on earth inspired you to do this? I'd love to know. Um, <laughs> I... I've accepted the label that a lot of people's given me that I'm absolutely crazy. I love my label. I've accepted it. Um, you own it. I absolutely own it. I'm so happy not to be normal. Um, I, I try and inspire people not to be normal. So <laughs> I'm happy to be to be classified under that label. Um, the aeroplane pool kind of evolved from the first feat, call it that, at, uh, which was the Robin Island swim. Yes. Um, I was doing the swim, finished it, and someone from Tiger Burger, a journalist, called me and he said, I'd love to speak to me because I did it for cerebral palsy awareness, because that's what inspired me to get my butt off the couch in the first place, and I was a little bit nervous, you know, gosh, I'm I'm not doing this public speaking thing too well, didn't like doing orals at school in front of the kids, so now I want to go in the newspaper, I don't know, but something said to me, just do it, you know, it's not for you, it's for other people it's inspiring other people to get their butts off the couch as well and sitting talking to this man i still believe it was god speaking through me because i could not have come up with this myself i mean it's ridiculous um he was asking me what are you doing next and i said i'm pulling a truck and he's like what do you mean you're pulling a truck I said, i'm going to put a harness on and pull a truck and he and he laughed and he said how big is the truck and i said 10 tons and as i said it, i thought i don't even know how big a 10 ton truck is what are you saying but I couldn't get the words out like don't write that don't take me seriously I just sat there with my mouth full of teeth and he put it in the paper and I'm one of those people if I'm saying I'm going to do something I do it come aloha water so I had to start training for this for the truck pull um, and then doing the truck pull coming up from the truck pull because you're almost in a push-up position there's this tv camera on my face and the lady says we're from SABC news and you know it's like amazing how your mind goes in slow motion and I've told you I'm crazy so I'll share this I have these conversations in my mind with myself sometimes and I see this camera and this lady says I'm from SABC News and I'm going why is SABC News here and it's like this tough part of me says because it's not normal for women of 40 to pull trucks around like what do you think why you know I, and it's like the slow motion thing <laughs> happening in my mind and I want to laugh at myself and I'm just so overwhelmed with joy like I did it I pulled this truck and she says what are you doing next and I go uh I, I could kind of feel this verbal vomit coming out again and I said I'd love to pull an airplane and as I said it, like you're doing it again like just be quiet and I thought that's fine you know you don't exactly organized pulling an airplane very quickly you know Mm. pull one out your driveway and the Monday morning the South African Air Force phoned me someone saw that on the news and they said please come pull a plane what (laughs) you know and everything inside me was I'm not ready for this I can't do this and in that moment I realized the only reason I'm wanting to say that is because I was still lacking a bit of confidence so the three weeks before I did the airplane was just working on my confidence, you know, and and that's not easy, not in such a short term.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it all worked out, you
0: know. So. And how was putting the uh, the airplane different from the truck? What was the, is there a what was the weight difference? Um,
1: I still don't quite know the aeroplane's weight because they never checked how much fuel is on it, and obviously the airplane takes quite a few tons of aer- of, of fuel. Um, so there's varying things from 15 to twenty thousand tons i don't know um all i know it was way heavier than the truck which was 10 tons i suspect it was probably 15 16 17 maybe there but it's difficult to judge also because we discovered after i pulled it there was a slight incline
0: okay so it
1: could have felt like a 30 ton maybe you know i mean looking at how the harness was cutting into my shoulders um, and it was it was way less, so it's a difficult thing to to calculate exactly. Unfortunately, you know, it's not like a truck; you just put it on a weigh scale and you know exactly this exactly, is the weight. Yeah. Of, it's not got a tara weight little yeah. registration on the side of the windscreen, <laughs> so it's a difficult one to judge. No, absolutely, um, but we suspect between fifteen and seventeen, I think. So
0: you you just mentioned that um, you had to work on your on your confidence yes. before pulling the airplane. So so let's just first uh, go back and talk about the physical conditioning you have to do before before such a big event, and then um, get back to the to the um, the confidence side.
1: What goes into a preparation uh, such um, as this? Everything. Um... <laughs> I, I look back now and I go I don't know how I made it through those training days you know you I was training hard to do the swim because I knew these strong currents and I wanted to I didn't want to fail it was 20 years of saying I'm going to do this no I lied it was more it was almost 40 years 30 for, yeah I'll say roughly 30 years um, that I was saying that i wanting to do the swim so I didn't want to fail at it and Just training in the gym was when I discovered my physical strength, Um, but I've got this blonde mentality that if you train in the gym and you don't feel sore the next day, you know when you had a, whatever sport you're doing, if you don't feel a little bit of muscle ache the next day, you know you didn't put in enough. So I wanted to be sore. I wanted to feel like I've achieved that growth. So I kept pushing. Um... But then when I achieved the swim and I was training for the truck, it was now I need to become serious about it. And that is when I partnered up with a with a friend at the time and we trained five days a week, um, twice a day. In the mornings we do weights, in the evenings we go back and do some cardio or a little bit more of weights, depending on how crazy we felt that day. But it was a it was extreme training. You know, it's not just taking a weight that you're comfortable with and doing thirty reps with it. It's something where you can barely do ten reps, mm-hmm. um, and you can do three sets, and then you don't feel your limbs anymore. Um, you know, and the next morning you get out of bed and it's just so painful. You're just like, what am I doing? So it's a it's a motivation on a daily basis to get up and be at the gym at six o'clock again. Um, and how many hours did you spend in the? In gym? the morning was about an hour and a half. I think after an hour and a half, we both felt we had nothing left i mean i'd get to the locker and i can't even pick up my arms to open the locker so um or you go down the stairs on your butt because you know you don't know if your legs are just going to buckle but on a friday morning you wake up and you want to cry your body's so sore but there's something inside of me that just kept driving i need to do this i have to do this and i think it's because i had that taste of achievement with the swim um I had that feeling of the beast out of the cage kind of feeling. And gosh, if I could do that, what else am I able to? Because I did not think I had the ability, the physical ability, to do what I did with the swim in itself. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a motivation to kind of get my, my butt off the couch. I went from complete couch potato to pulling aeroplanes a year and a bit later. So, you know, it's it was daily motivation I think everybody has this new year resolution thing where oh I'm going to go to the gym I'm going to start training and then day four you're, oh no gosh you know I'll go back Monday because my body's a bit sore I need to give it a break and we come up with all these excuses but mm. there was no I didn't allow myself space for excuses Okay. it was get there and I was angry at myself if I even thought of excuses it was like I punished myself even harder for even wanting to not get there that day so it's a, it's a very different mindset um, that I had then, that I had from, say, earlier in my life wanting to get fit. And and you talk about working on your confidence.
0: How how does one work on your confidence? What, what did you do to build up your confidence?
1: I think the reason I went into sports psychology is because I've discovered for myself I was using sports psychology without even realizing what I was doing. And setting a goal and achieving it, that sense of achievement, is such a personal thing to feel confidence. Because it's something that at first you think, and I'm not talking about a goal like I'm going to get up in the morning, you know, if you're a perfectly fit person. I'm talking about something that's a little bit challenging. If you set that goal for yourself and you achieve it, that instantly sets your confidence onto a higher level obviously make it achievable i mean i can't say to myself my next goal is to run the comrades marathon that's just i'll never make it i'll die my body shape's not made to run long distance i'll fail and that will obviously knock my confidence mm. so you need to set little goals that that's achievable but challenging because with each achievement the confidence grows because then you, you do the self searching and you go back and you go i didn't think i could do this and look what i did Hey, you know, wow! What else? And and that helps you set the next goal, and it brings about this a momentum. Um, you know, where you we went from stagnant, and you you keep looking back. I always say to people, the only reason you ever look back is to see how far you've come. Mm-hmm. You don't look back to punish yourself and like, oh, you know, my life is this or whatever. It's just see, gosh, look how far I've come. You turn around, you go for, forward again. Um, so I think the confidence is, it's a self thing. It's Mm. never allowing someone else to try and raise your confidence. I could never take a compliment, for example. Um, I would make a joke of something if someone gave me a compliment. And now I'm in a space where I feel confident enough to look and go, wow, thank you, I accept that confidence or that compliment. Um, And I choose whether I allow it to affect my confidence. So I think setting personal goals and, and just challenging yourself a little bit in small ways. It doesn't have to be physical, you know. Writing that book that you've been wanting to do and you keep telling yourself I can't do it. Force yourself step by step, small steps. That's that's very valuable. And and um I think that the just to interrupt you, the truck pool and the plane pool was such a symbolic thing for myself. Um You know, it's a huge weight behind you and it's painful and it's hard. Gosh, I would never say to anybody it's easy to pull a plane or a truck. It's not easy. It's the hardest thing I've had to do in my life. But you put literally it's so symbolic, you literally put your nose down on the ground and you don't look around. You don't look who's looking, you don't look where you're going. And it's painful one little step after another. And Every time you think, oh, this is too sore, it's too painful, or one more step, one more step, one more step. And before you know it, you've gone that 10 meters or that 20 meters and you go, I've achieved it, I've done it. You know, so it's pushing yourself and motivating yourself through each painful step and how big you make those steps is up to you. Mm-hmm. Make it reachable, you know. Don't just say, I'm going to finish that book. When do you want it finished by? And how are you gonna achieve that? So setting goals is such a big thing to build confidence. It's not just saying to um, that mom at home, you know, this year I really wanna get control over my family. How are you gonna do it? When do you wanna do it? What do you see as control? And really doing soul searching and self searching about how are you gonna get there? What am I doing today to get there? What am I doing the next hour to get there? because once you just say, plonk, there's my huge goal, and it lies in front of you like Everest, you're never going to get to the top. It's, okay, how am I going to get to the airport mm. to get to Everest? You know, so it's setting the very small goals and achieving those and going, oh, look how far I've come. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And you're the only one who can motivate yourself. Yeah.
0: Now, the, the, uh, the truck pull and the, the plane pull has given you an excellent platform um to just to, to speak about something you're very passionate about and that's uh, that's bullying
1: absolutely
0: um and you 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 have been around sc- to schools um speaking to kids about um bullying what is your message to th- to the kids if you can condense um,
1: I've. I've got two messages to the kids. I speak to the bully and I speak to the victim. And and a lot of people don't want to see it that way, but it's fact. A bully is a victim as well. They're a victim of either an experience or a situation. Um, I can work with a bully and you'll quickly find out that this boy or this girl has gone through some trauma or they can't cope with something happening in their life, often something at home, and they are taking it out on other people. So that child's actually also just a victim. But I speak to them separately. I try and make the bully understand that he is a victim and that he has the choice of either dealing with his stuff or continuing being the abusive person that he is, which is either gonna get him into his, into prison or into his grave, um, the other one of the two. So he's got that power of choice. And I think that power thing comes up strongly with the physical strength things that I've done. It's like the kids can relate the outer strength with hey if this lady said I've got inner strength maybe I do and maybe I can do this you know and it's just inspiring them to kind of find what it is that's turned them into who they are right now and if it's the victim saying why have you allowed because I was the victim and I said in inverted commas I was the victim of bullying but I chose to be the victim but I didn't understand it that way as a kid I just absorbed it um, and accepted it instead of standing up and saying you know what you have issues and I'm not going to make your issue mine and I accepted other people's issues as mine and it's just become this heavy mountain that I carried and maybe that's why I'm so strong today Um, because I was carrying so many people's stuff which was unnecessary But the the strength records has given me the platform to enter into schools. And I think that gives the kids the the relation between physical strength and inner strength. That maybe I'm also strong enough to get through what I'm going through. Um, And wow, if this lady can pull a plane, then maybe she speaks some sense. And maybe, you know, maybe she's right. Maybe I am not such a washout or failure as everybody's trying to tell me. Um, it just kind of shifts a kid's perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I love it when someone walks out of the room and they go, Oh my word, I never thought about it that way. I love messing with people's minds in that way. Obviously mm-hmm. in a positive way. Understand, but yeah. that they leave going, I never saw it that way. I never mm-hmm. looked at myself in that angle. Um, and that, that ends up changing their life. Sure.
0: Now in t- uh, 2018 you had the amazing opportunity to work with the Riva Steenkamp Foundation. Yes. And, um, and you, you traveled through South Africa.
1: Could you tell us a little bit more about that experience? I started working, I was an ambassador for the foundation um, in 2016, I think when the foundation was launched. And um, the foundation is all about um, standing up against abuse of women and children. I'm, although I'm an activist against abuse of any kind, no matter who you are and what you are, it was something very close to my heart, specifically the children's side. And I think that's where I just really connected with the foundation. And the day that Reva died, she was about to go and speak at a school specifically about, you know, how girls treat each other. I think it was a girls' school. How girls treat each other and how we basically abuse and bully each other. So I know that it was... Bullying was something very close to Reva's heart. And the foundation asked me to work hand in hand with them. And um, we just traveled, well, as I've been doing for the last almost eight years now, across South Africa, just touring schools, bringing this message of hope to the kids to say, listen, guys, no matter what happens to you, you are strong enough to get through it, over it, um, through it, whatever the case may be. So it was really amazing to work. It's an amazing bunch of people. Um, their hearts are all in the right place and you know if if you work with people who's about the cause and nothing else then I always say nothing can go wrong when egos are left aside or there's not even egos involved when it's about that kid that's sitting there completely broken and you know we can all go together and sit on the floor with that kid and say speak to us listen what's happening let's try make this better Um, and, and that's why I think I got along with them so well You've you've
0: shared a number of your experiences during your time traveling with the Foundation. Uh, is there a story that stands out that you
1: that you can maybe um, share with everybody that's listening? Um, a story specifically about a child? There's one that I think stands out. Sure, and I'm, I'm gonna get emotional. Um, it was last year, August in Johannesburg and it was a girl's school (laughs) so sorry it just just gets me every time take your time Um, I did the talk and you know it's nothing unusual for a bunch of kids to come up to me afterwards and just just share something it's almost like uh, the kids don't get the opportunity to speak we make them shut up all the time and the parents don't listen so it's like they see like wow this lady's gonna hear me but there was a bunch of girls that came and spoke and you know I pulled one or two aside wanted to share something private and there was this one girl and she just sobbed I've never seen anybody cry like this girl did and she came close walking up to me and they have a beautiful school uniform. They have these straw hats. And she's holding the hat on her chest. And I just said to her, take that, hot, that hat off your heart and just, just show me who you are. And she just took her hat away and she hugged me. She cried. She sobbed. I mean, my shirt was wet. This girl just cried. And eventually, I think it was probably a solid five minutes. Obviously, I mean, you can see I'm an emotional wreck myself. I just sat there crying with her. And eventually I got her to speak, and I said to her, what has made you so sad? And she said, I was going to hang myself in the bathroom today, and then you came to the school. Sure. And she said, I even have the rope in my bag. And she said, but now I've got hope, and I've decided to come speak to you, and maybe I won't do that today. And you know, as a speaker, you often have these days and you go, do I really reach these kids? Do I really get there? And then you have these moments and you go, ah, I have to, I have to continue. This is this is what I'm meant to be doing, you know. And if I could stop that one child from ending her life that day because of something someone else made her believe she is, and that I had that moment to explain to her who she really is, and hand her over to a school psychologist. And she's doing brilliantly. I still speak to the school sc- psychologist. She's doing brilliantly. And um, she's not the only one. She's, she wasn't the first one. But for some reason, that girl just really, I think, the deepest sorrow. I just felt it that day, you know. And, I mean, all the girls that stood around us was crying. And it was as if the other girls could see what they've done to her. Um, you know I, I always say to the girls you guys are worse than the boys the boys punch each other and they throw the odd harsh word but the girls are so good at not making someone else feel good enough and that is I think the biggest thing that the girls struggle with these days the I'm not good enough and that makes them go search for love and acceptance in all the wrong places and that it just becomes the snowball that they end up end up being broken woman still searching for love still sick uh, trying to find it through sex and, and all the wrong places you know and they ruin their lives falling pregnant and their lives just go in all the directions wrong directions from the age of 13. Um, and. It's from people making them believe that they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, and who gives you the right to tell someone else they're not good enough? Who made you set the bar? Um, And I always say to kids, if you want to make someone else believe that you're not good enough, you need to really go and look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Because if you need to make someone else feel bad about themselves and you have a serious problem, Mm -hmm. then maybe you're the one that's in a space that's not good enough for yourself right now. So... to to make a very long answer short, I think that girl stood out above everything else Um, I've seen young boys who were violent bullies, you know, where the police called me in and said, please help the social workers can't get through to this kid he's a constant problem, he's now strangled a girl in the classroom the moment the teacher walked out and I sit with this kid and I don't know God's just given me the ability to rip off their mask and Mm -hmm. just say I see straight through it. So just take it off and speak to me. Um, You know, and he would share what's happening with him at home. And his life turns around by his choice that he becomes the bullying police at school. Mm. From the violent bully to now the one looking out that no one sits alone. No one goes around, um, you know, hurting someone else. So I will never quit on a kid. I will never give up, up on a kid. If a social worker says to me, I've given up on this kid, then I get very upset because... You can always reach someone. You just need to find that one thing about someone. Um, everybody can change. I will never allow someone to tell me, you can't change that person. And no, I can't change the person. I can pick them up and shake them. But I can talk to them in a way that they can see themselves from a different perspective that they want to change. Sure, that's that's incredibly powerful.
0: Yeah. You have done something, uh, taken a step further, which is I think perhaps even more daunting for some than pulling a truck or a plane, and you talked about it earlier, um, about if you want to write a book,
1: and a, you talk about experience, yes. you have written a book. Yes, I have been one of those people who I think is a lot of listeners who do this kind of thing. You kind of start thinking. I want to write a book and you get to chapter two and it kind of gets pushed aside because you have to fetch the kids at school or you know there's homework or there's something that happens and a week later you go maybe I should write and you read the first chapter again and you write three lines and it just kind of years go by and you end up with this book on your computer that you just don't get to Um, and it was something that was not completed that I needed to focus on that I felt in August last year I need to complete this um, I went overseas at the end of September and there was this driving force in me saying that you have to finish this book before you leave it was my deadline so I sat down I, I spent two weeks sitting down putting everything down um, and I'm a plain Jane straightforward I don't use fancy words I just wrote it the way it is gave it to the most incredible editor and author and i just said please fix it um don't change it just fix it and um yeah the book finally done i mean it's it's literally going off to the publishers this morning i had the final check now and so the book's there it's called warrior within um and it's just my journey from the age of four when things in my life started going wrong again in inverted commas and how it led to me being 40 years old and my life just changing from the age of 40 um, and I'm, I'm hoping that it stirs in people the realization that they've also got that warrior within and how to find that person and how to make that person surface and kind of take up your shield and sword and, and let's fight another day you know um, so I've definitely I've got a warrior a lot of friends call me a Viking I've got this personality where I'm just let's do it you know I'm the, I'm the first one out there I I can't watch someone being abused I don't even think about the danger that I could put putting myself into I'm the first one there in the person's face I don't care if they've got a gun a knife dude this is not happening I'm sorry so I think that worry is probably too strong in me sometimes but I wouldn't change it um it's me it's who I am So I'm hoping the book's going to encourage a lot of people to do some soul-searching, you know, sit quietly and think, where am I at, how did I get here, and where am I really wanting to go, Um, how am I going to use the ammunition, call it ammunition, of my past to make it a positive future. And I think that's what the book's about. I'm really looking forward to it, hitting the, the, the shelves. Um, do you have a timeline yet? I'm not sure. We'll check with the publishers, but I think the website will. I'll always just keep the website updated on. Um, and then also Strong for Life on Facebook will also keep up to date on there. Um, but I'm hoping it's going to be within the next few months. Fantastic. Yeah. Um,
0: now you are on your way to a whole new adventure. Yes. What is that about?
1: I am. Um, literally sitting on edge waiting for my visa papers to come through. Um, I will be spending at least three years in America, it's a three-year contract that I'm going over on, Um, working with a company called Hope and we will be visiting schools, speaking against bullying and abuse, very much what I've been doing here. Um, So that would be my baby doing that kind of thing. And we're also going to be doing sporting events for veterans. Um, I've got a passion. I don't know what it is within. Maybe it's the the warrior in me um, that I've got this thing for soldiers. And I possibly have more respect for the American veteran than some of the Americans do, which is sad. But, you know, for someone, and I've I've always had the thing, even for people in uniform here, policemen, um, firemen, Paramedics, nurses, people in uniform who who literally risk their lives. And we've got no respect for these people. You know, we, mm. we treat them like they're garbage. I always say to people the police wouldn't have to be there if we could all behave like adults. Um, so you know, don't pick on them. But the soldiers is something that's always been I've always had a thing for a soldier. And specifically the veterans, you know, again, the school thing, I think what the two, the schools and the veterans have in common is trauma. The trauma that the kid has experienced and and how it's affecting their life and the trauma that the soldier's experienced and how that's affecting his life. And I've seen how sport can lift you out of a very dark mental space. So we're hoping to create sporting events for the veterans where we can encourage them, help them set goals and achieve those goals to focus forward because most of these soldiers are still stuck in Afghanistan or Iraq and they, they're stuck in the trauma, they're stuck with PTSD, maybe they've lost limbs um, and that is now their reality. So we're wanting to help them look forward again and, and the only way to, to look forward is helping to set achievable goals. So we'll be setting goals. If a guy lost both his limbs, um, his legs, we will help him either through doing a handbiking record, let's handbike around the state, um, you know, and just really making an impact for the American people as well to see what these people have done for them, for freedom. Mm. Um, that these guys literally gave up their limbs mm. and they met their mental health for someone else's freedom um so i'm very excited to work with these people um we've already got a foot in the door with the air force in america they already speaking about wanting to meet when i get there to not just encourage the veterans which the suicidal rates is extremely high i think it's about 22 veterans per day that commit suicide sure. i mean that's astronomical i didn't even realize there's so many veterans that went to war um, if you think of the amount that was killed in war and the ones that came back, that's that's reasonably okay. Um, and then the mental health issues that they've got. So I'm really hoping to just encourage these men and women and also the troops who's sitting the trauma that they see on a daily basis. I mean, we can't imagine what they go through. Mm. Um, you know, we live in a country that's got very high crime and violence has become so norm to us. But for these young Americans, and I've seen that when I went to America last year, the average youth in America grows up very protected. They don't see the violence that South Africans see. They don't get exposed to that kind of trauma. You know, we watch our backs the whole time. We stop at the traffic light and we check, is there anybody standing around that looks like they could be trying to rip the door open? we kind of in survival in South Africa when mm. it comes to violence. These American kids don't have that. Mm. So they get ripped from almost a very safe little nest and thrown into the worst kind of trauma ever mm. um, and then they get dropped back into that nest and they just don't fit anymore. Mm. And the adapting back is just not working for mm. them. So hopefully through this company that is what we can go and help them with. Yeah. So as soon as these papers come through I'm on the next flight out. Um, And we'll be based in New York State, um, but we'll be traveling mostly North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, um, and New York, um, and see how far we can get, you know, just with the big army bases are in North Carolina, so we'll probably spend a lot of time there.
0: Sure. Liesl, you have shared so much of yourself with me today, and, and I really appreciate that, and... And um, when I started building the um, the framework around this podcast series of impact citizens, you know, you were in the front of my mind. Um, you were one of the first names I had down on paper oh, to interview you. because you really um, embody what it means to be an impact citizen. Um, and, and I really appreciate how much you've shared um, today. Um, And you've shared so many important and valuable uh, wisdoms here. But if you could leave the world with one thought,
1: um, what would that be? Wow, I'm a public speaker. One <laughs> thought, seriously. How much time do I normally have for a talk is my first question. This, this is wow. one or two sentences. What, what would you like to leave? I think at this stage, and this, this message will probably change constantly as I go along in life, but I think my, my core thing that I feel today is never lose hope. Never, ever lose hope. And, and whether it's because the company that I'm going to be working for is called Hope. Mm. But, you know, if you have hope, there's always a future. Absolutely. Um, and that's one thing we should never lose. No matter how down and out you are, never lose hope. There's always an answer. So don't ever lose hope. Find it. Absolutely. Diesel thank you so much and all of the best to you thank you and thank your... you for this opportunity and for what you're doing because i think our media is so flooded with negativity that to have something like this where people can just hear positive things is incredible so thank well done to you much. for getting this on the leg thank you thank you very much can another one